Well, everybody, this is the third installment of a series that we've entitled Rhythm, Living Life on Beat. And what we've been talking about in this series is the fact that God has designed your life to live within a particular rhythm. And see, if you don't understand that, what happens is your soul starts to feel it. Like you, you, live, you live life the way you want to live life and your soul starts to feel it. Why? Well, because you're not living on rhythm. You ever see anybody, you know, try to dance that doesn't have rhythm? It's just funky. Like, are you okay? I think that's how a lot of you are living your life. Like God's looking down going, are you okay? And the truth is, no, you're not okay. Because there's a rhythm that God intended you to live your life in. I think there's some people who think, well, you know, my life's okay. My, I, everything's okay. But here's the problem is your life is just okay. Like you got, like you got, like you got an okay life. You got, you got an okay marriage. You, you got some okay relationships. You, you got an okay, you know, everything's just okay. But God didn't come to bring you okay. God came to bring you life and life more abundantly. And so you've, you've settled with okay. But God says, come on, I got more for you. And the way, listen, the way you move from okay and into life abundant, it's rhythm, friends. It's learning to live life in the rhythms that God has designed for you to live. And so from the very beginning, God establishes this. I think rhythm is everywhere, right? But, but in the beginning, God is about to create man. But before he creates man, he creates rhythm and then puts man within the context of that rhythm. And they're meant to live within that rhythm. Some of you have broken it, but this is what's intended for your life. Let me show it to you over in Genesis chapter 1. It says this, God said, this is before man's even created. God says the fourth day, God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day and the night. God is intentionally giving you day. Someone say day. God is intentionally giving you night. Someone say night. Day and night. Two different things. Rhythm. 24 hours. Boom, boom, boom. Day and night. Then he says this. Let them serve day and night. Are going to serve as a mark or serve to mark sacred times. Do you know that your time is sacred? What God has entrusted you with, your time, your breath right now, your moment, it's sacred. And God said your, your moments are, are meant to be marked, watch this, as days and years. Another version says, and seasons. God says you're meant to live in certain days, certain years, certain, certain seasons. There's this rhythm that is meant to to guide and to guard your life. And so we've been looking at that together. The first one we looked at is our daily rhythms, remember? We decided that every single day, it's God's desire for us to, someone say, show up full. We're gonna show up full. What does that mean? That means you're gonna have a good night's rest. It's part of your rhythm. How many of you have been doing okay on that? Come on, you've been, you've been anyone sleeping through that? You're getting good sleep? Good, come on. How many of you have not been doing so good, right? Come on, we'll forgive you. God bless you, see that hand? Sinner, God bless, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. We all are, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's a rhythm, right? I have a hardest time. This is my biggest one. Just get to bed, Chris. Go to sleep. Shut this thing off, right? So I'm like this at night. I say, hey, Google. Hey, Google, play country night sounds for an hour. And get some crickets going and get myself some sleep, okay? So show up full. We get a full night's sleep. We get a full breakfast. And, and then you show up with a full heart. Like, I've spent some time with God. My heart's already full. I don't need you to affirm me. I'm already affirmed. I don't need you to accept me. I'm already accepted. I don't, I don't need you to approve of me. I am already approved. See, I'm showing up full every single day. Show up full. 
So we talked about the daily rhythm. Do that every day. And then we got into our weekly rhythms, right? So the first one we looked at, our weekly rhythms, is, is work. Someone say, work it. Come on, I need you to help me, church. Say, work it. You got to work it. And so every day we're going to work it. Like we're going to, what does that mean? We work it as unto God. Everything I do is God is just as unto you. I don't work for them in the corner office. If you're working for the person in the corner office, you got a little lackluster work going on. You're working for God. It changes everything. And work is unto God. We talked about that last week. Someone say, work it. Let's talk about this last one. Someone say, stop it. Stop it. God says, work, 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 work. Stop. Some of you don't know that. And so you work, 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 work. And he says, hey, stop. God intends in the flow of your life, in the rhythm of your life, to be this thing that is called rest. Tell your neighbor, stop it. Tell the one you chose second, stop it. Why did you choose them second? They're really offended right now. Okay. We live in one of the most overworked societies. A 50-hour week right now is no longer considered unusual. Employees are working from the office. Come on, tell me, it feels like you're working from the office. You're working from home. You're working on the weekends. And you never really feel like you're off work. And there's a lot of things playing into that, okay? At the core of it is your discipline. It's your fault. Because already you were trying to blame somebody else. It's your fault. But, at, but there's some things adding to this workaholic nature of, of, our, of our society. So first thing is this. One, let me give you a couple of them. One, one is that jobs are insecure, right? Like, so there's a, like job security. You feel like if, I don't, if I'm not working all the time, I might lose my job. Because if I'm not doing it, there's a line a mile long of somebody else who wants to do it. So I just got to keep going, 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 right? And you feel like you've got to keep up that pace because, you know, your job is not secure. And there's a lot of that happening right now. Um, here's another one. Technology. Like, come on, come on, amen, right? Like, no matter how far you go from your office, if you got this in your pocket, you are tethered to your work. If you don't know how to manage this, this thing will manage you. And all of a sudden, you, you're, you're just going through your day, and you hear the bring, or bloop, what the heck was that? You look, oh, I got an email. Oh, the boss wants a what, and I got a phone call. One second, babe, I got it. Anybody guilty? Come on. Technology keeps us, keeps us tethered to to works, a job, security, this technology thing. Um, some, um, right now, there's a big division in, in pay. So some at the top of the organization are being paid so much. Like currently, they're used, the, the division between what um, top level, top tier employees and bottom tier employees are, are paid is, is greater than it's ever been, the division. So right now, top tier employees are getting paid two to 300 times more than than. Uh, the entry level, some entry level positions. And so what that's creating is you're working so much for so much, you better keep it up, keep it up or you will lose your job. And then, so you feel this pressure because you're paid so much. And then there's those who are not paid enough and they're having to go get second jobs and everything else. We're working, 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 working. Can I tell you another really, really big one, okay, is this. It's the insatiable desire for more. You have, we have in our culture right now, this addiction addiction to more. So you have enough, but you don't think it's enough. You want just a little, say, say, so say more, say, I want more. And so you're, you're, you're constantly going, well, I, I just need, 
more house. I need, I need more resource. I need more. And then you go and you get more. And after you have more, you tell yourself, I just need a little more. Like it's always more. And this, you don't know how to cut off this desire. And this is, this is our society right now. And it forces you to work, 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 work. Right now in the United States of America, um, people are living off 132% of their income on average. It's called debt. Because we just don't know how to say enough's enough. Now, I want you to hear this Bible verse. Listen to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. This is for somebody. You need to hear this, and you need to let God set you free. Here's what it says. Better one handful with tranquility. Pause with me. You got two hands, but God says you don't need to fill both of them. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. God says, learn to live your life going, I got one handful, I'm good. Instead of two handfuls and all that comes with it, the toil, the chasing after the wind, and some of you have been living two handful lives, and I'm telling you, God wants to invite you something into something better than two handfuls. It's called tranquility. It's called peace. It's called life. It's called rhythm, and we've got to find rhythm. Can I get a better amen? In the back. Come on, we're going we're gonna to be a church. Are we Pentecostal church? Are we sitting in church and just kind of hang out? Are we having fun in church? Someone said amen. We're going to have some fun. So God takes this really, really serious. There's a, um, the Ten Commandments. God gives the first three are all about our relationship to him. The, the, the last... Six, okay, are all about our relation with one another. And right tucked in the middle is the fourth commandment that ties in our relationship with God and our relationship with other. That is meant to kind of be the be the, the middleman between God and each other. And do you know what that commandment is? God takes rest so seriously, he builds it into the top ten. And here's what it says. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day. Pause with me. Sabbath, Shabbat, is what the word is here. It means to cease. It's a day where you stop. Just stop, just stop, just stop it. It's a day where you cease from what you were doing the other six days. What were you doing the other six days? Working, 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 work it, work it. And then God says you need to stop it. Remember to have one day a week where you stop it. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. It's set apart, you see. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, it's the Sabbath day to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. How much work should you do on the Sabbath day? He says you don't do any work, right? Neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servants nor your animals nor any foreigner living in your home, in your town. I love this because God knows you. He's like, well, he knows that you'll think, well, I'll stop working, but I'm going to put them kids to work, Right? I'm going to put, and God says, no one's going to do any work. Because this, this whole day is a day where you're just going to dedicate it to me. For in the six days the Lord made, and he references back to an event, creation. In the six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He points back to creation. And he says, what I did at creation is an example to you. God worked, 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 rested. And he meant for that to then become the rhythm and the pattern of our life. Think about it. Did God have to take a break? 
He's God. He didn't have to take a break. It wasn't like God on the, on the Sunday is like, I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted. I have got to take. No. God took the break to set for you an example of what your rhythm is supposed to look like. And let me theologically for two, just give me, I'll give you two points here. And then we'll bring in a practical. Two reasons why this is so important. Why Sabbath actually matters to you in a, in a theological sense, a biblical sense. And so write this down. The first one is this, is that your rest, okay, the, your Sabbath, why it's so important? Because it's all about rhythm, okay? It's all about rhythm. I'm going to give you three. We'll start with rhythm. It's all about rhythm. Without a break, get this, we've been in this series talking about rhythm, but what you don't understand is that without a break, you don't actually have rhythm. See, because some of you came in here today and you said to yourself, well, Pastor Chris, you see, I have beat. You're talking about living life on beat? I got beat. It's boom, 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 right? And you've got beat. But friends, what you need to understand is it's actually, it's actually rest that gives beat its, its rhythm. Caleb, where are you at? Help, help me illustrate this, Caleb. Where are you at? Caleb, oh, he's already hiding in the corner. Come on, Caleb. Everyone give it up for Caleb. I love when you're on drums. So Caleb, Caleb, what it, help me, help me help our incredible people here understand what a lot of lives are lived like, right? Like, give me just like something that's just like, give me some snare that has no break in it at all. It's just, come on, let me hear it. Come on, a little bit, a little harder. Come on, yeah. So this is some of your lives. Go, go, go. And we do this enough, it gets really irritating. It's kind of annoying, right? But this is how you're living. Okay, now stop, stop, stop. My goodness, stop. You're feeling that in your soul right now. It's just going, going, going. Listen, you've got beat, but you have no rhythm. See, it's actually the pause. It's the break that gives the beat its rhythm. I'll say it better. It's the break that gives the beat its soul. Like, give me, give me something with a little, little, we got some pause in it. Come on, let me hear, oh, here we go. Oh, boy, come on, you feel that. Hey, hey, you can move to this. You can dance to this. Come on, right, right? Hey, uh, come on now. You got it. Let's go. Come on. Let me feel it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Where you at, church? You got no soul. You got no soul. See, that is so much better. Hey, hey, take it back real quick to life before the break. Stop living like this and start. Come on, Caleb, start living like this. Come on, see? That's what I'm talking about. Look. Come on, give it up for Caleb, everybody. Thank you so much, sir. Do you see it? Do you see how important this is? God in the beginning says, your life is meant to live in rhythm. And a beat without a break is not a rhythm. It's the break that gives beat its soul. And if you don't take a break, you got no soul. It's wearing on your soul. It's diminishing your soul. And you've been trying to figure it out. Maybe I need more of this and more of that. And maybe I need to do more. No, no. You need to stop doing so much and learn to breathe. Take a break. 
Can I get a better amen? Live it in your life, friend. It's a commandment of God, my friend. Your break, Sabbath, is all about rhythm. Here's the other thing it's all about. It's all about trust. Sometimes you don't think about this, but let me, let me help you understand this. Because I'm going to ask you, like, how, how, how's it going when it comes to Sabbath? Like, are you doing a good job? Are you, are you taking a break? you find yourself with a good rhythm? If not, let, let me talk to you. If not, it actually reveals the fact that you're not trusting God. And I'm going to break that down for you. It's a really big deal. God gave us, gave us the Sabbath as a way of reminding us who we're supposed to trust. Okay? So, there's this thing called the, the law of, uh, in Scripture, as you're studying, studying Scripture, you, you look at the, the, the law of first dimension, okay? So when something shows up for the very first time in, in Scripture, you need to pay attention to it. So this word Shabbat, where we get the word Sabbath, it's modeled for us in, in Genesis where God worked six days and rested on the seventh, but the word Shabbat is never actually brought up there. The first time you see the word Shabbat is not in Exodus 20 where the Ten Commandments, the first time you see the word Shabbat or Sabbath is actually in the book of Exodus chapter 16. And what's happening in the book of Exodus 16 is something you need to pay attention to if you're going to understand this idea, this concept, what God wants you to know about Shabbat or Sabbath. Shabbat means to cease. It means to stop. What's happening in the book of Exodus 16 is really interesting. God is giving the children of Israel instructions, and hold with me, I'll get to there in a second. He's giving the children of Israel instructions concerning this thing called manna. Manna is what they were eating every single day. It's what God gave them to provide for them while they were moving from Exodus or moving from, from um, they were in Exodus from Egypt and into the promised land. Like, how did God sustain them? How did he provide for them? Well, it tells us this dew would be sitting out in the morning and when it would evaporate, there'd be left over this stuff called manna. It says it's like a white kind of flaky, uh, they didn't even know what to call it. it that, matter of fact, manna means, what is it? It's like, whatchamacallit. I don't know, whatchamacallit. Let's call it that. It's called a whatchamacallit. And it's whatchamacallit is all over the floor. They would gather this manna, and they would bake the manna. They'd boil the manna. They'd, they'd make a banana bread and manicotti. And come on, everybody. That's funny. I don't care what you say. And they, they would eat this stuff all the time. Now, watch this. Please watch how it works. They're to gather it every day. Some people got smart, and they said to themselves, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to gather one day. I'm going to save it for the next day so I don't have to go out and work the next day. I could just... I could just and, and what would happen is what they gathered on one day, if they tried to bring it to the next day so they don't have to go out and gather, it would rot. And it said it would grow maggots, pretty gross, and stink. Think about how interesting this is. God's like, everything you need is there, but to get what you need, you got to go work it every day. Work it, work it, work it, work it for six days. And then the seventh day, something different happens. God gives different instruction. And here's what he says on the seventh day, if we could bring that back up. He said to them, this is what the Lord commands. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. Because you see, in the morning, something miraculous would happen. What would typically rot would actually be sustaining them. 
they would live, watch, in a miracle on the seventh day where they were to trust God that what they already have is already enough. And they would live in this miracle on the seventh day where God just provided. God cared for them. I, I say it this way. To be sustained for six days, they would work and gather. But in order to be sustained on the seventh day, they would have to rest and trust. Some of you don't know what it's like to be sustained on the seventh day. You don't have rest. And everything you've been gathering is actually rotting because you haven't learned how to rest. You see, it's an issue, the Sabbath is, if you break the Sabbath, some of you, like you're living a two-handful life, you're going, 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 you're actually breaking Sabbath commandment, breaking Sabbath rest. The word means to cease, Sabbath, Sabbat. And if you, if they weren't ceasing, watch this, it's because they weren't trusting. They weren't trusting that what God had given them was already enough. They weren't trusting that God was going to sustain. They weren't trusting. So if you were caught trying, if you were caught working, what it said is you're not trusting. See, I'm trying to get you to understand this. Sabbath poses this question to you and I. Like, who do you trust? Who, who do you trust? Like, who do you depend on, right? If you're struggling to take a break, at the core of that struggle could be the fact that you think it all depends on you. You think that it's you that puts the food on the table. So you're telling yourself, if I don't work this day, then I can't put the food on the table. You see, it all depends on me. And God shows up and says, no, take a break, trust me, because it's not actually you putting the food on the table. It's me that's providing for you everything that you need, so you can't put food on the table. But if you keep working as though it depends on you, God just might let it. And what you'll end up with is everything that you can do, and you'll never actually see everything that God wants to do because you're not giving him room to show up. You're going, it all depends on me. So let me break it down. It's not just, you know, i got to put food on the table. It's, it's well, if I'm ever going to get into that school, then i got to just grind, 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 grind. If I'm ever going to get that opportunity, if I'm ever going to get that raise, if I'm ever going to, and you tell yourself, so if I'm ever going to, I just got to keep going, 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 going. You know what that is? It's the mentality of somebody who thinks it all depends on them. And God shows up and says, this isn't about you. Take a break. Breathe. Rest. Gather six. And on the seventh, stop it. And what happens when you stop it on the seventh? You are declaring, this isn't about me. My God provides all my needs. He is more than enough. He's got me. I can rest. He takes care of the birds of the air. He'll take care of me. He's, he's, he's sitting on the throne and he sees me. Like, I'm just going to rest today. And understand this. God, I want you to experience this. God will do more with the six days than you can do with seven days. See, you, if you just work and work and work and work, all, you're, all you'll ever see, please, please hear me, is what you can do. See, God doesn't, there's no blessing on that. 
The blessing comes when you dedicate it to God. And when you dedicate it to God, God does with the six more than you could do with the seven. It's the same principle as with tithing, right? God says we're to tithe. It's a tenth of what we bring in. Some of you, us wrestle like, well, God, that's a lot of money. That's a lot, 10%. I don't know if I can. But see, those of you who know the blessing of tithing know that you actually end up being able to do more with the 90% than you could with the 100%. Because when you give God the 10%, he blesses the 90 in a way that feels like a 120%. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, that'll preach. I don't care what you, like, there's just this, you move into the territory of the miraculous. And what invites you in is obedience. And you don't experience the miraculous until you're willing to be obedient. And some of you just need to stop it and watch God do with the six more than you can do with the seven. It's an issue of trust. The Sabbath says, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Can you take a break? I don't think so. You're not trusting the right one. I love what um, the Cathy's have done with um, Chick-fil-A. Dan Cathy. Everyone knows that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Come on. Yo, my Chick-fil-A. Right? We know. It's closed on Sunday. Why does Chick-fil-A close on Sunday? Dan Cathy says this, closing our business on Sunday is the Lord's day. It's our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to him. Now pause with me a second. Put yourself in the mind of a business. You're trying to make money. It's the weekend. People need to eat on the weekend. It seems like it would be a big day Sunday, right? Matter of fact, McDonald's, for McDonald's Sunday is their biggest day. And so it's been told to the Cathy's before. Do you realize you guys are, are losing $1.2 billion a year by being closed on Sunday? That's a, that's a lot of manna. But they do it to honor God. And God does with the six more than anyone else can do with the seven. Matter of fact, per unit or per store, Chick-fil-A makes more per store than any other chain restaurant in the nation. Per store, watch this, one Chick-fil-A outdoes McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. Like if you put those three together per store, they still don't hold a match to one Chick-fil-A that's going closed on Sunday. Yo, my Chick-fil-A, right? Because, listen... And what that is, it's that you're watching the, the very practical reality of God blessing. A company that says, God, I'll give it to you. Listen, you want to know the seventh day blessing? You want to know what it's like to live in a miracle? You want to see God do with, more with six than, than you can do with seven? Trust him. It's an issue of trust. How do I, how do, I do it? You stop. The Sabbath literally means cease. You see, it's an issue of trust. Let me give you one more. It's an issue of rhythm. It's an issue of trust. And, and here's your last one. It's an issue of identity. Before the children of Israel were set free, they were living in Egypt. And in Egypt, they were forced to make bricks. And they would make bricks every single day. There was no break. There was no rest. It was brick, 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 making bricks every single day. Now watch this. If for some reason you were unable to make bricks, 
then you would be, friends, ostracized from the community. Because your, your worth was tied to your work. And if you couldn't work, then you had no worth. So understand this. In the Egyptian mindset for the children of Israel, you are what you produce. Your worth is defined by your work. And that's how they lived until God rescued them. And what does he do when he rescues them? He takes away their bricks and he gives them rest. See, we live in a culture right now that associates who we are with what we do. We live in a culture right now that wants to tie your worth to your work, your value to, to what it is you do. So when you meet somebody, we often do without even thinking. Say, so what do you what do you do, right? And, and often what people are trying to do is to measure them up. Like, where are you at in, this, in the society? And on the, how far have you climbed? How much, right? And we're trying to figure out how important the people are that we're talking to. Some of you, you love your job. You love what you do. You love it so much. You're so proud of it that you try to work it into every single conversation you have with someone you don't know yet, right? You want them to know what you do, right? And you, you just bring it in from the most random spot because what are you doing? You're trying to go, look at me. I'm, I'm valuable, and, 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 I, and I got something to bring, and did you see what I've accomplished? And you have mistakenly tied your worth to your work. And God says, I actually want to redeem you from that. Because you are of more worth than your work. See, if you believe that your worth is your work, then, my friends, you can't stop. You, you always have to be doing more. See, this is, I'm getting to the core of where some of you are right now. You think you're just productive. You're actually insecure. You're, you're I, gotta, I gotta do more. I, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta accomplish more. I've gotta, listen, I've gotta prove more. I've gotta, I just gotta keep doing more because I'm so productive. Look at me. No, you're you have tied your worth to your work, and God actually wants to set you free from it, friends. Your worth, your value, do not come from what you do, but from the fact that you are his child. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. What does that mean? That means no matter what I have done or what I haven't done, I walk into this room today, sit down in that chair right now, accepted already, loved already, approved already, precious already, valuable already. Even before I've done anything, I'm already loved. See, and if you can't take a break, it might be because you've tied your worth to your work. And you need to let God redeem you. And so how do you do it? Friends, how do we make sure that we're trusting God? How do we make sure that our worth is found in just who we are before him? How do we make sure that we live our life on rhythm? Let me give it to you really practical you're going to keep the Sabbath day holy. Just keep it holy. In the book of 
Psalm verse 46, or chapter 46, verse 10, it says this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. In other words, think about this. What that scripture is saying is that in order for you to know that he is God, you've got to be still. And if you can't be still, you're declaring that something else is God. Your work is your God. You are your God. You See, if I can't be still, what's happening? I'm trusting in me and my efforts and my energy and my, and, and God says, no, listen, here's where I need you. Be still. It means let down your hands. And when you do, it postures you to go, oh, you're God. I'm not. You, you, you assign my worth, not my work. You, you provide for my family, not, not me. You're the one that opens doors. Not, you're the one that gets me into that school. You're the, one, you're the one and not me. And when does that happen? When you learn to just be still. Tell your neighbor, be still. Be still. Feels good, huh? Just to get, get some rest. So here's what it is really, really practical. You're going to pick one day a week and you keep it holy. God says that in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2, after he'd done making everything, says on the seventh day, God had finished his work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. Now watch this. And he made it holy. Here's the question. What did God make holy on the seventh day? He made the actual, watch, time holy. The day holy. God made the seventh day moments holy. And we're supposed to do the same thing. That there's a day, there's a block of time that we say, God, this is, the word holy means this is set apart. How do you set it apart? Well, you Sabbath, you Shabbat, you cease doing what you've been doing the other six days. How does it work out practically? Here's what you're going to do. This, this rhythm of rest. We're going to work five days for our employees, right? Five days, they get five, only five, five. God worked how many days? Come on, how many days did God work? Six days. So five days for my employee, for employer, one day for me, right? And one day, I'm just going to stop. On, on, on that day that I work for me, like, that's where you go get your laundry done, go grocery shopping, go do what you got to do, all the honeydew lists around the house. Tatum's got me painting the center, you know, uh, thing in our house. What is that thing called? I mean, the, the island. Is that the official word? The island in our house? Like, I'm painting that black. That's all happening. That's all happening on my, on my sixth day. But you see, there's going to be a seventh day where we just do nothing, where you break up the rhythm. For most of you, that's going to be Sunday. That's going to be your church day, right? And so here's what it looks like in your life. Let me help you with this. One day a week, Sunday, you're going to get up, you're going to roll into church, second service, because you slept in a little bit. Come on, all of your second service. It's like, you just slept in a little bit. And then you're going to come to church. At church, oh, man, I get to see my friends. I get to worship God. I get into the word. Why? Because I'm setting this day apart for him. I don't do this any other day where I'm hanging out with everyone together. But today, it's a holy day. It's set apart for God. And then I'm going to leave church, and I'm going to get rid of this. And I'm going to set it, set it over there somewhere, Right? Shut it off. Look at, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna unplug from social media. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not check my email. I'm not gonna, there's no phone call things happening. It's just, we're gonna unplug. I'm gonna go home. You're gonna have the biggest meal that you've had all week, right? 
Come on, amen? You're going to go You're going to go to one of our incredible downtown Redlands restaurants, and you're going to have an incredible meal, a little Don Orange. Come on, everybody, a little plug for Don Orange. A little Don Orange, you're gonna, and you're just going to, listen, you have a big old, you're going to sit there for an hour and just hang out. They're like, please don't sit an hour. We've got to get other tables in. But you are going to sit there for an hour. You're going to go home. You're going to hang out. Just hang out. And then you're going to go out on a walk, gather some people together, just talk. You're going to reconnect with one another, sync up. And you're going you're gonna to go home. You might be a little drowsy. Take yourself a little nap. And just unplug from everything. What do you do on a Sabbath day? Do what fuels you. Like, what, do you, what fuels you? For some of you, it's like you love hiking. Go hiking. Some of you, it's, it's you love Taking photos, go take photos. You love painting. That's your day. You get your painting on and you start painting everything. Like just, you, you do what fuels you on that day. You're just going to go and enjoy your day. And in doing so, your life is declaring, God, I trust you. God, I, listen, it's an act of worship. God, I worship you. And we're going to live our lives that way. Does it have to be Sunday? It doesn't have to be Sunday as the worship team comes up. It doesn't have to be Sunday. For me, date night Sabbath day, it's Monday. And on Monday, because, you know, Sunday we're, we're running and gunning and doing all this. And on, on Monday, it's like, we're, we're, we're checking out completely. Like, you, like our staff, we do this for our whole staff. Like, guys, Monday, 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 like guard your Monday. So what happens on Monday, it's like everyone knows you can't get a hold of Tate and I unless, like, don't, don't even call us. Unless something's on fire or someone's in the hospital. Like, it's like I don't want to hear about it. We're just going to go out and have our, have our day. And I encourage our staff, you've got to guard your Monday. Because that's where God's going to meet you. That's the rhythm God's going to bless. So how you doing, everybody? How you doing on your Sabbath? Because let me tell you what it's really all about. It's about Jesus. Sabbath is all about Jesus. Jesus in the New Testament declared, I am your Sabbath rest. Jesus. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, as we close, Jesus said this, come unto me all you who are weary and burdened. Look at me. I feel like I'm talking to a lot of people who are weary. You're burdened. You're heavy laden. You're tired, worn out. You don't know what to do next. Here's what you're going to do next. You're going to rest. You're going to stop. You're going to come unto Jesus and he says, I will give watch. The instructions are this. Take my, some say yoke, yoke upon you. Now, if you've been around citizens, you've heard me teach about yoke before. A yoke was an instrument that they would use to connect two oxen together when they were plowing a field. It was a, it was a wood, a dowel that one, one oxen would put his head in and the other oxen would put her head in, and they would pull a plow together. And when two oxen were yoked up, they'd yoke them up in order to keep them on rhythm together, in pace together. If they weren't yoked up, they would just go at different paces. But if they were yoked up, they would stay together. So listen to what Jesus is saying to you. You want to experience rest? He says, come unto me. Oh, you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. How do you experience the rest? You take my pace upon you. 
Take my, get in step with me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. For my pace, my yoke, it's easy. My burden is light. And if you've come in here carrying anything other than easy, anything other than light, if you're not living from a place of rest, you need to come to Jesus and let his yoke be what guides your week. Trust him with it. Come on, listen, trust him with it. And you'll experience rest. In Jesus' name.